0: Welcome to the Change Group Podcast, where we strive to have conversations each month that will help you as a leader to move your church forward toward healthy, lasting change.
1: Welcome to this month's Change Group podcast. We have something exciting for this month's episode. We're going to be jumping into a conversation that was uh, taking place over at the Learn Together podcast with the Network of Women's Ministers. Uh, It's a conversation that takes place about church revitalization with our Change Group leadership team, which is Pastor Aaron McNatt from Wrightsville Assembly of God, Pastor Nicole Schreiber from Erie First Assembly and myself, Nick Poole uh, from Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. And a great conversation about church revitalization that I think you're going to have a lot of fun with and really get a lot out of. So here is this month's conversation for the Change Group podcast.
0: So exciting. So why don't you kind of tell us about your ministry journey, you know, where you're serving at, what, what your role is, and how you ended up where you're at today? Pastor Aaron.
2: Yeah, I am pastoring in Wrightsville, Pennsylvania, so it is Eastern York County, and I've been here as of this summer, it'll be eight years. It is a church revitalization for sure, and uh, but it's been an exciting eight years, and I'm married, I have a beautiful wife and three daughters that uh, have now grown up in a church revitalization, and so it's been an exciting journey.
0: Thank ah, Thank you.
1: Yeah, I've uh, I've been pastoring uh, here in Irwin, Pennsylvania, which is the east suburbs of Pittsburgh. So we're in Western PA, and uh, been here it'll be ten years next month. Um, and uh, you know, been a long journey, but God has been you know faithful through it all. Um, me and my wife have been married now for ten years. We got married just a few months before we came here, and have four kids: a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a eleven-week-old. Uh,
0: Wow. That is, oh, you You have your hands full. That's incredible.
1: Yes. We don't sleep at night very much right now. So <laughs> it's okay.
0: It is okay. God will give you extra strength that yeah. you need. Absolutely. Well, so church revitalization, that is a very, very uh, unique calling and difficult road. So Pastor Nicole has the first question that we want to just kick us off
3: with. Yeah. So as I mentioned, just in our introduction, um, the, what Pastor uh, Nick and Aaron and I have in common, not just that we live in Pennsylvania, but that we are all pastoring uh, revitalization churches. And so um, what I love about that is that looks different for all, for all three of us. We've had a lot of conversation over these years about um Each of us kind of coming into a different setting, but they all came under that same theme of uh, a church that is probably heading uh, in the wrong direction, if you will, or down downhill in some of uh, maybe certain areas that needed someone to come in and really just believe in it and and pump some life into it. And so um, one of the things I think that's really interesting is to hear a little bit about the then and now. Um, So I wondered if uh, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Nick, if you could share um, just some of the things that was, when you came and then where you are now, um, obviously we don't have time to go through all the strategies of how to get there, but kind of that first look of, of how things, uh, you know, were and are. Yeah, Pastor Nick.
1: Yeah, so um, when I came to, uh, to Calvary 10 years ago, um, I was a church planning director. So my role was church planning, helping start churches, coach them, resource them, support them. And uh, honestly, I'd been involved in church planning all the way back to college. And uh, I loved it, passionate about it, and it was just such a joy. And uh, I always imagined that I'm going to plant a church. That just made sense to me. And uh, uh, basically, I, before I'd been on that in that role, I'd been a youth pastor at a church, at this the church I'm at now, and the pastor that I had served under had a, a massive heart attack at the age of 45, passed away. And uh, I remember getting the phone call, and uh, it was devastating. And uh, my fiance at the time, now my wife Heidi, we went to the funeral on our way back. She said, "What do you think about pastoring there at Calvary?" And uh, on our way back, I said, "No, I don't even need to pray about that. You, you don't know that church. I do, and uh, it's it's not a church that you would ever want to you know attend and be part of. Uh, they're angry. They're difficult. They're." Uh, stuck in their ways it, it's just, it'd just be a painful experience and uh, that's kind of where I left it and over time God just kept putting that in front of me and a long story short uh, we were elected as the pastors about six months later and uh, have been here ever since
0: wow God has a sense of humor right
1: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and your church
0: members are probably listening to this, and the good side of the story is coming out. (laughs) I've shared.
1: I've shared all of this publicly with them, so it won't be any. uh, Yeah.
3: Well, and I know it's hard, Nick, for because you're a humble guy, but um, just tell us a little bit about what it looks like now. You know, what has God done in that decade? Oh, yeah.
1: Um, So um, you know, we took over. uh, Church was uh, as you typically would see in a revitalization, uh, deferred maintenance throughout the facilities. Um, at the peak, our church ran about 800 people in the eighties and, uh, had declined to about a hundred people in the early two thousands. Uh, when I took over it was about 130, 140 people, our sanctuary seats, 700. Um, so not quite like pastor Nicole, I mean, she's, you know, blown up, but has massive facilities. Um, we had like in between massive, but we had very little people. And so over the last 10 years, uh, we have basically fixed all the deferred maintenance. We have our last thing. It's actually happening as we speak. We're replacing one of our roofs. Um, our church is about tripled in size as far as our you know, attendance. Um, we're, we're just healthy um, in, in every way, uh, financially and uh, spiritually. And um, it's just getting a lot of health back. We're, we're ac- active in the community. And uh, it's amazing as people come through the doors for the first time, uh, people who have lived in our community for years, and like, I didn't even know this church existed. Uh, it's not like we're not visible. We're right across the street from Coles and Target. I mean, very good location. It's just, it had been so drab and run down that people missed it.
3: That's awesome. Wow. So great that to hear
2: that. Pastor Aaron. Yeah, well, I... Did not know anything about the church I was coming to, but when I got here, it was very familiar. I think we've uh, probably all seen the same church a hundred times. The building we're in was built back in the late 60s. It pretty much still looked like it had the same decor from the original plans. Uh, It was a church of 28, and they were mostly all senior adults. And I was coming from being on staff at a church for the previous ten years in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and so stepping, um, stepping with my family with our three little girls uh, out of a healthy church atmosphere with you know kids pastors on staff to minister to them and so on, and then coming here feeling like we're really stepping in faith to uh, a revitalization. But it's been, it's been an exciting journey for us because we. We've seen we've seen God build those ministries really quickly, and uh, uh, unlike uh, Pastor Nicole and uh, Pastor Nick, we don't have a, we didn't have space to grow into. Uh, as soon as we started to grow pretty quickly, we started to fill up our sanctuary. But today we're doing three Sunday services uh, every weekend, trying to maximize the space we have. We've gone from twenty eight to right around three hundred. Wow.
0: That is incredible, God's favor. And that is that takes a lot of patience, a lot of prayers, a lot of efforts, a lot mm-hmm. of crying and tears, I'm sure. Well, there's probably a lot of uh, ministers out there that are listening that are maybe considering or maybe rejecting the idea of revitalizing this church, right? And there's a lot of fear into that. So speaking to those uh, ministers, what would you say, I'm just kind of being blunt and honest, what would be the most difficult challenge what will be the most difficult challenge in revitalizing the church? Pastor Nick.
1: Um I, I would say one of the tough struggles of revitalizing is you're constantly being compared to the past. And um good or bad, the past is always better than it actually was. So and true. it's difficult <laughs> when the realities of what's in front of you with Limited resources, all kinds of obstacles and challenges, is compared to best case scenario, rose colored lenses, you know, past, and you have to live up to that, um, and that's a that's a challenge. And and I'll, I'll say this in a revitalization, like your insecurities and and uh, all of that get really challenged and drawn out. And if you're not, you know, comfortable in your own skin, you can take things personally. Um, I had a unique situation in our church where, um, our founding pastor, Pastor Hart, he passed away of cancer in 1996. He had built all of our buildings, had the church in 1981 was the f- one of the top 10 fastest growing churches in the Son of God. Um, he, he'd done it all. He, and when he passed away, you know, the church, that's when the church started to decline. Well, his wife stayed in the church. So when I took <laughs> over, his wife was still there. She was still in the church, Grace. Um, the previous pastor's wife, uh, who you know that pastor had passed away of a heart attack. Uh, his wife was still in the church, so I was the fourth pastor. Two of the previous three pastors' wives were still in the church, so you had that just comparison that mm-hmm. you just run into, and um, and and I think the challenge is uh, as a pastor as a leader is being able to focus your church church's attention on the vision for the future and not get so enthralled with the accolades and celebrations and stories of the past. Not that you run from them. What I tried to do was celebrate them. Like I love history. I'm a a huge fan of history, you know, every kind of history. And I just became a student of our church's history, talking, since I had the founding pastor's wife in the church, what a great opportunity. I could ask her questions and she'd tell me all kinds of cool stories and, and, and different uh, milestones that took place. And, and I just became a student of history and celebrated that. And used our history as a launching point for our future. And in doing that, I tied the two together, which allowed me not to feel like I was threatened by the past. Because we have a rich past, uh, accomplished a lot of really neat things. Um, and a lot of people want to return to that. And I just tried to focus on, hey, that's awesome. Now, what would that look like in today's uh, context? How can we take the heart of that and the value of that and continue that vision, that mission that started this church into the future? And um uh, and that, that was a challenge. And sometimes people are on board with that. And a lot of times people are not on board with that. And when you're messing with uh, something like church, uh, people get very angry and difficult. And um, you're, you're kind of poking a bear. And you just have to be willing to sometimes take a few hits and shots and and keep pressing on. Because the vision, the mission, what God's called you to is worth it.
0: Mm, amen. So be a student of the church. I like that. Yeah. Very good. Pastor Aaron, what
2: do you think? You know, I would, I would kind of go along uh, with something you said earlier. You said the word patience. And I think um, for a lot of reasons, uh, patience is required, but one of the pictures, if I could just give you a a biblical metaphor that God kind of made clear to me was out of Joshua three, you know, when Joshua's leading the people across the Jordan and, uh, and the priests are told to stand in the middle on dry ground while all the nation passes uh, across. And it says the whole nation completed the crossing. And I just kind of came to realize pretty early in the process. And we see this in business models, too. There's early adopters and there's late adopters. And, and you know, when you're the one standing in the middle of the river holding the box, it gets heavy And uh, patience, you know, to wait for the whole community to cross over. So for me, um, I get really excited about casting the vision. And we certainly all get excited when we start to get a little momentum behind us. Uh, But as soon as you have the majority, I think the temptation is to just go guns blazing towards the future. But uh, for me, it's been a constant reminder to stand there and hold up the authority of the word of God on my shoulders and wait for the whole community to cross and to not leave people behind. That, that's that been a real, it's, it, it, like a lot of these things, it's both the joys and the struggles, but uh, that's definitely been on the struggle side, having patience.
0: Mm, such a pastoral heart. You have to have that. That is so good.
2: Yeah, you really do.
3: So lots of challenges in revitalizing. We've kind of talked a lot about that. Um, so far. But how about some rewards? Like what are some things that you guys have noticed um, taking on this you know, big thing. I know like for me, uh, one of the things I love is when you actually see people catching on to a change that you have initiated and they Mm -hmm. like it. They might even like it better (laughs) than what this old looked like. And that was such a blessing, uh, for me. Now it took some time, uh, but eventually some of that vision that you are able to initiate and enact and when people really see it and it makes a positive change, you you're earning that trust and that buy-in. So, um, what about either of you? Have you had that? What would you say are the rewards? Like if if someone was really wanting to revitalize, it's hard, but what's yeah. the
2: reward? Well, I, I think I'd agree with you that that creating culture uh, and casting vision are some of the most exciting things about doing it. And I know for me, you know, I served, uh, I served as an associate under the same pastor for 16 years. You know, and I've always heard that the, the life of a church kind of takes on the DNA of the, the leadership and the pastor. And so when I stepped into my first lead pastor position, which that's what this is for me, my first time as a lead pastor, I was more excited about day one of year two than I was about the first day. Cause, you know, I felt like I've been tested on leading teams and on preaching sermons. I, I know how to do this stuff, but what is the church going to feel like following my vision for, you know, 365 days? What's it going to look like after these 52 weekends? So for me, the exciting thing is, is being able to kind of help people to see, see where we're going and see that God's not finished and, and, start to steer the ship in a healthy direction. And uh, that that's just been the absolute best part of revitalization for me.
3: That's amazing. I, Nick, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I would say, um, I mean, our church was like both of yours, you know, was, was mostly older. And uh, a lot of the older folks, because the heyday was, you know, in the past, it kind of given up hope for our church. Yeah, uh, they, they're they whether they said it or not, like their posture and their approach to everything was uh, we're just going to ride this to the end. And, and they, they, their ex- expectations were really low. You know, that's why they brought me on. You know, expectations are low. <laughs> no, um, <we're> so low. No, you're
0: so humble. They they, uh,
1: they they just didn't like they never envisioned this big facility ever to be fully used again. It's just kind of keep it going. And I remember our first Easter the first time we broke 300 and uh, Grace, our founding pastor's wife, she's in the, in the, in our lobby just crying mm-hmm. and um, getting to see things like that. Like we uh, the older folks got to see, like they lived long enough to see things coming back. And um, I mean, all that you guys said, seeing culture, I love doing that, seeing the vision fulfilled. It was just for me, the, 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 the people side of it, seeing, um, not only the new people come in and, and their lives be changed by the gospel, but seeing the older folks that, uh, got to see the, the, the fulfillment and the faithfulness of the gospel again, Yeah, like they, they, they saw it before they saw the stories and they kind of lived off of that. But now they, they've lived long enough to see it coming back around and kind of their emotional response. I remember one of the older guys, I was standing in the lobby one Sunday morning he said, pastor Nick, where are all these people coming from? Are these all your friends? Uh, and I was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know who they are. I don't know. But um, uh, like, there was just like this excitement that started to build with that group that they hadn't really had in a long time. And that was, that was, that was one of the most exciting things. Um, and, and, and the other is, I'll, I'll say this being in the church planning world and the revitalization world, both um, there's something amazing about giving birth to something. I mean, you know, we, I said, I've we have four kids. There's, something miraculous uh just about okay
3: but let's be honest your wife did all the heavy lifting she did do (laughs) do, do, do. but okay all right i'll give you some Uh, some you're
1: right you're right i was just standing there um trust me (laughs) i almost passed out a number of times um i'm not gonna you know act like i had it all together uh she did all of the heavy lifting uh three of the four no epidural so i mean she's a master amazing Amazing lady um uh there's just something miraculous about it. And, and planning a church, I mean, I remember a church plan I worked with. We started with a little Bible study and in a subway restaurant and a year later launched with 230 people and like that's awesome. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. But man, there's another level of excitement when you get to see God resurrect the dead. Mm-hmm. And Amen. um mm-hmm. something that you're like, that's beyond like there's no hope for that. I mean, Pastor Aaron's church, my my uncle uh pastored that before him and I visited there the year before he went. <laughs> Um, saying that it was dead is like being generous. Um, I I remember sitting there thinking I didn't even know church looked like this anymore. I didn't know there was anything in, the, in America that still looked like this. Um, I mean, remarkable getting to see like what Pastor Aaron, Pastor Nicole, what we've got to see like getting to see that is, I mean, thrilling. It's like, this is what ministry is about. It's not giving up on people. It's the outcasts. It's the overlooked. It's, you know, and, and you get to do that in church revitalization because you get to see God breathe life back into a church that was ready to be you know, sold, put on the market, get shut it down. It's, it's not worth the time. And, and you're like, no, God's not finished yet. And that's pretty mm-hmm. cool.
3: Amen.
0: Love it. So powerful. I think there's such unique joy in church revitalization. You know, I've been also involved in church planning and church revitalization and like, oh, boy, I don't want to go back to church revitalization. That was a hard journey. But there is such unique joy. Like you're talking about resurrection of life and joy, and seeing this older generation just believing in God's mission once again, man, you can't have that when you're church planting, right? So that's so unique. So there are so many people that are considering this journey that you're on to, and it's it's a quite a hard journey, right? And But God is calling people to do it, correct? And we all have to just roll up our sleeves and get into this uh, mode of church revitalization because there's so many dead churches out there that need to be revived. So what are some reasons? Because some people are probably contemplating. I don't know if I should or not. What are some reasons that leaders should consider this hard journey of faithfulness? I mean, this change is not going to happen overnight, not even over a year. It's a long commitment. So why should we consider that instead of maybe church planning or other type of ministries? Pastor Aaron?
2: You know, I think... Um you're not wrong in what you're saying there, that there, it's a really, there is challenges with church revitalization, but I, you know, I I think that obviously whether you're planting something brand new or trying to revitalize, there's challenges with both. And I, I would say there's a lot of advantages to revitalization as well. And, you know, pastor Nick just touched on some of those. The fact is like, there's, there's good seed in the ground in that community. Like those previous pastors, those church members, that building that, you know, although maybe for the last several years it hasn't had influence in the community, uh, it's it still represents things. And so for me, like when I came here and became the lead pastor of an established brick-and-mortar church, you know, it says Assembly of God on the sign, uh, that church has some credibility with the community. And so I'm not just some new, young, charismatic guy passing out business cards at Starbucks trying to start something. Like, I immediately had credibility. I'm the pastor of that church in this community. And in our small little community of Wrightsville, there's only about 2,200 people in the borough of Wrightsville. And there's four churches. It's the Presbyterian, the Lutheran, the United Methodist, and the Assembly of God Church. And the other buildings are, like, as old as America. So we're still the new kids on the block, but— our church has been a part of this community since 1936. And so for me to come in, uh, yeah, there's challenges for sure. But, uh, some of the blessing is because of the faithfulness of past generations, uh, we owned our building and we, you know, uh, we, we, every, every little bit of growth we had was immediately forward. As far as, especially from a financial standpoint, uh, we're not, you know, we're not renting out a facility. We're not we're not, you know, trying to keep up with our growth by uh, finding a new location and rebranding. I mean, in the digital age, you know, branding is pretty inexpensive, uh, but it's it's way cheaper to renovate a, a building you have than to build one you don't have. And so, in eight years, we've renovated this entire building, and we've done all of it debt free. And those are just blessings that I realize. Like I would not be you know, pastoring a debt-free church, having had this kind of growth, if, if we were, you know, trying to plant something and start something from nothing. So I, I think there's some huge blessings to church revitalization. One of it is, you know, that, that there is seed in the ground. And, uh, and another for me is, uh, just the fact that the longer we're here, the more stories we learn. There are people in this community that have been touched by this church, you know, a lot of times we only look at the last five years or 10 years, but there's been a lot of people married and buried, uh, you know, here. Yeah. And, and as the church has grown, it seems like every year we get multiple stories from people coming back saying, oh, my grandparents went to this church or, you know, my uncle, you know, we did his funeral here. And so as, as soon as we breathe life back into it, uh, we realize that, you know, God God wasn't done. God's mm. been, you know, maintaining this 28 people mm. as a remnant for a new for a new season.
3: I love Amen. it. The remnant is powerful. Yeah, that's really, really good. Um, so I guess maybe my last question to kind of bring us to a close, we could talk about this all day. But if someone that's listening today um, is finding themselves in a revite situation in a situation that potentially um could put them you know hey they they want to maybe take over leadership of a church that um needs a little bit of life pumped into it what would you say your first steps are what's the advice that you give Um, what are maybe some things that helped you you both in your first 100 days if you will and um what are some things that that you would tell them to do nick why don't you
1: start yeah so i would uh I'd say in your first 100 days, uh, as I mentioned before, become a student of your of your uh, of your church history. Uh, get to know key influencers in your church. Build relationship. Um, change uh, happens best in the context of relationship, uh, not where you're just using a title that you carry as a lead pastor and uh, assert your authority that you may they might not even fully recognize yet. But building relationship with a lot of those key people. There's not always the people that have the title, but you know, I had a founding pastor's wife. She didn't have a title, but she had a lot of influence and building those relationships. Um, so knowing the history, building relationships. And the third one is just being willing to recognize uh, you don't have to know it all. Uh, connect with others who are further down the road than you and learn from them. Um, when I came here, I started having lunch with other pastors in the area, and I just wanted to learn, Come, coming with questions already and picking their brain Um a few years ago, uh, Pastor Nicole and Pastor Aaron and I, we started uh, a group called the Change Group. and what what that group is geared toward is just equipping, resourcing, supporting pastors walking through this journey that you don't have to do it alone. And we have cohorts. Uh, it's a twelve month cohort where once a month you meet and uh, in a group and and talk through different topics. Um, we do consulting, and and uh, in September, our conference it's distributed. Uh, across the country, fifteen different locations, and really, our heart isn't to uh, be this big end-all, be-all. It's to to really push resources to equip mm-hmm. pastors to lead healthy change. Lord, to, really to, to to set up set up a church to to be viable again, to be healthy again, to to really be resurrected, so to speak. And um, in in our country, thousands and thousands of churches are closing their doors every year. Um, in the summons of God. Thousands of churches are being planted, but just as many are are closing. We're almost break even. Um, it's time we uh, don't just resource church planning, which we're doing awesome at that. But let's close the back door. So many are mm-hmm. are, 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 are getting closed down. And as Pastor Aaron mentioned, man, uh, we have uh, so many facilities that we don't have to pay for. They're already paid for. It just needs a little bit of love.
0: Mm, that's that's so good.
1: Yeah. Let me say this. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, if you wanted to connect, though, with The Change Group, um, our website's thechangegroup.org. Uh, or, you know, if you're, if you're watching and you're like, I want to be part of a, a church revitalization, I'd love to connect, whether that's leading it, being on a team, whatever that might be. Um, if you email me at nickp at thechangegroup.org, we'll get you connected. We'll find a, a, a church that fits you and get you connected. Um, this is an incredible journey that uh, we don't do alone, we do as a team. Even Pastor Nicole, Pastor Aaron and I, uh, it's been awesome to be part of a team that we could even do uh, what we're doing with the change group collectively, not just individually.
0: Oh, thank you so much for that resource. You guys are true champions. That's incredible. Pastor Aaron, do you have some hundred, first 100 days wisdom?
2: Uh, you know, I would say uh, be be fearless about the vision that God gives you. You know, um, I I think it'd be a mistake to come into a church kind of with a three ring binder blueprint. Here's how to build a church. But when you get there, know that you're God's woman or you're God's man for the assignment, get a vision and then be fearless in following that. You know, one of the things I discovered is, uh, you know, change is hard, but without even trying to change things, I'm different than my predecessor. I'm a different kind of leader. So everything I do is going to be changed. And so I'm, I'm not trying to ruffle feathers or offend the senior saints, but I just just being committed to the vision God gave me and and walking in that and casting that vision is going to bring about change in the church. And so uh, I think something that's really wise that Pastor Nick said earlier about honoring the past is so important. And uh, and I I did the same thing as well here at Wrightsville. Honor the past, you know, celebrate every big step in the present and then preach to the future. And uh you know, I think just find those find those things the the little wins along the way and make a big deal about them. Um you know, if you repaint the nursery, praise God, that was awesome, you know, it hadn't been done in 35 years. But uh but you just, have a nursery. The fact that you even have a nursery. Yeah, yeah there you yes! go. Yes,
1: that's amazing. I mean, you you Pastor Aaron, you didn't have a nursery, right?
2: Uh well, we had a space designated as nursery, but we had no children. <laughs> so, yeah. But I, I just think that's so, so that was key for us. In the first hundred days, by about four weeks in, I started a sermon series about um, about the next generation. And, and we absolutely tied where we were going to what we were preaching. And at the end of that series, we launched our first uh, renovation project and began to create a children's ministry space. And I know we could talk all day about those things, but I think one thing a lot of guys or ladies stepping into revitalization, they're so intimidated by the old guard, by what's been there forever, that they just live by the mentality, don't change anything in the first year. And, and there's some wisdom in that, but that can go too far. I mean, if you're sitting there in the seat of leadership, you can't be there too long before the problems are your problems. <laughs> uh, now you're leading. Uh, and so at some point, you, you it t- it takes the patience, but it also takes a fearless courage to just lead the vision God gave you.
3: So good. I I do want to add real quick, just before we close up today, say he is that I particularly think that revitalization opportunities are unique to women in leadership. And I think it's really important uh, for those that are listening today to really um, go to the Lord about these opportunities. I think that oftentimes there are churches uh, in revitalization positions that um, would be much more open to a female in leadership than others. And this, let's not be offended by this. Let's be excited about this. And let's take these opportunities as they come and use the gifts and abilities and leadership that the Lord has put inside of us to make some of these uh, situations that may not look good turn all around. You know what I mean? Because God can do it. And so I want to encourage the women that are listening today that um, maybe this is something you never thought about and it's something you need to start looking for a church that needs the 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 vision. Um, I I know I lead. I love what you said, Aaron. Uh, God has us each lead differently because of who we are. And yeah. for me, my congregation needed a lot of nurture, a lot of nurture because they had a lot of wounds. And I, I really believe my unique, uh, as a woman, as a mother, I was able to bring that nurture in a way that Erie First Assembly needed it, that maybe no man could have, you know, and so God knew that. And that's why he put me in the spot that he did. And so what I love about that is I think this is a really, I think this is something as women in leadership, we need to take notice of that this could really be doors that the Lord is opening uh, maybe in situations we wouldn't experience or that we're not looking. But when we start to look, he'll show us. So thank you so much for uh, this conversation. You guys are incredible. I'm so thankful. Uh, We we've had some great conversations about the first thing we changed and things like that. But we would love to share more with you if you check out that uh, the change group website that Nick recommended. And um, even if you just want to have one conversation, the three of us would love to do that with you um, and just give you some encouragement or prayer or whatever that you need.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, Thank you again for joining us uh, for this month's Change Group Podcast. We are so blessed to have you uh, participating, listening, uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening from. Why don't you give us a rating and review? Feel free to share this podcast with others as we continue to help pastors and leaders lead healthy change in the church. Have a great day. God bless you, and we will see you back here next month.
0: Thanks for joining us for this month's podcast. If you'd like more resources or to learn more about The Change Group, you can visit us at thechangegroup.org. Next month, we'll be back with another valuable conversation, and we hope you can join us.